This episode of the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast is brought to you by Patreon and the Gentleman Scofflaw merchandise page. Go to gentlemanscofflaw.com. In the menu, click the support or shop links to help support the show. You are listening to the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open I ain't got time for moping I best be on my way Well, I still got time to save my reputation Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder. With me in person, as always, is The Don... Donovan Fowler, and all the way up in the great white north is Johnny Boy. How you doing? What's up? What's up? That's a that's a throwback. Um, it is a throwback. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird <laughs> podcast today because I mean I still got my normal kind of allergy stuffiness, but you guys are both sick, and I'm the only one that's. Uh, if I knew you were sick, I would have just you know. If you, if you I mean, knew, knew you were knew. sick, I would have canceled this thing. Um, I'm not that sick. I'm just, I, I, I feel like I was sick like a week ago. And then I feel like yesterday I, it felt like a, a pile of bricks coming down on me. I just, yep. I just all, you know, I just I collapsed under it the sucks. weight. I know how that, how that goes. It oh. sure does. Let's, uh, let's start off with a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll get things going. Um, I am drinking the leftover of my kbc uh, pumpkin ale tis still the season leftover from halloween it's been sitting in i mean you can drink that stuff all up until uh thanksgiving thanksgiving yeah can i drink it after thanksgiving uh i don't know you might want to move on to something a little bit more seasonal what i um that's not texas's shiner cheer it's like a Christmas kind of. Uh, I think lager. I remember you told me about that. Dunkel Weizen. You know what the number one thing that bothers me about beer is what? you can't age it. Uh, that's true. You it know, gets you can't hang on. If you have a really nice bottle, you can't buy a case and hang on to them for twenty years. It's true, and if you yeah. leave them out in the light, you're screwed. Like in the yeah. sunlight or on the back porch. All right, and I am smoking. This is leftover, also from ha- Halloween. From my Halloween costume, is my uh, five star General uh, MacArthur pipe, and uh, so, it is ridiculous and huge and quite the novelty. But it actually awesome. smokes really well. Yeah, it's like I the combination of like the size of a tobacco chamber, the length of the stem just makes like a huge billowy smoke. So I don't know. It it. It looks pretty badass altogether. I did notice something while being sick. I've gotten to that point where I have the old man cough, where instead of a, it's like a. I'm more of like I'm more of like the wheezing, like 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 that sort of. I can't tell whether he's dying of cancer and laughing or just has a really bad cold. It's yeah. at least a youthful wheeze. Yeah. What is it about old people that could be so gross? Am I being ageist right now? Is that what's, that's going I mean, on? We're Everything's all dying falling slowly, apart. You know? just... <laughs> oh yes, and I forgot. Uh, later on on the show, we're having Joel Scrivener, uh, speaker. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the ranks of Taekwondo, but he's like high level, competitive, full contact, like Taekwondo. Several uh, championships, <laughs> the, black belt. The only, 
The only rank we need to know is he could probably kick all he our probably asses kill you. Uh, consecutively. And, uh, and he's the author of a book called Winology. So, well, the thing about Taekwondo is instead of having belts of color, it's belts of different substance. So you start off with, I think it's a cotton belt. And if he's at the top, I think he's probably at barbed wire. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works, John. Stop I think spreading so. fake news. Barbed wire. I, I, I what are, what are you drinking, John? Yeah, what do you got juice. there? Juice. I have juice. Juice. That doesn't look like juice to me. That's not, that's the... That's the most amber-looking glass juice yeah, bottle I've ever seen. It's orange juice. How they package things in Canada? Is that what you do at work too? You're like, you're like, it's coffee. It's coffee. I swear. That's it's right. apple juice. <laughs> Just a little, little bit of apple juice after lunch. Uh, so uh, how uh, how what are things going on in uh, your weeks? Well, I don't know what I said, but how are things going on in your <laughs> you're week? You're just you're just you, you may not be sick, but you're clearly not right. In I'm the not head. in the right you, head right now. Noon, <laughs> if I noon about that and <laughs> your choice of words, sir. I've had a really stressful few days, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Uh, I don't know if people down south know about this, but in Canada, in November, we have something called Remembrance Day. It's kind of like Veterans Day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the poppy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the poppy thing, uh, you know, you wear a poppy because it symbolizes Flanders Field, where uh, a bunch of you know soldiers were buried and right. after World War One and such. Great poem uh, about that. So I bought a poppy at the grocery store the other day. I had it on my shirt. I didn't realize when I took it off and threw it in the wash that I left the poppy on. Ooh. It did its cycle. I started pulling my stuff out. I found the red part of the poppy but i can't find the pin oh no mm. it's been days and i've checked the trap in the washing machine i i've felt through all my all the laundry to make sure it's not hanging out in there uh it's gonna pop out and get me in the eye one day <laughs> that's like, at least uh, expected that's like today i was cleaning my room and i was throwing uh i was sorting through laundry and sure enough, I throw a sh uh, you know shirt onto the pile and i see a little uh a little black creature climb up, climb up from the depths, and and you know go all around, and it's clearly some sort of a spider. It's got eight legs. Clearly, and uh, I couldn't find it. Like I shook out oh, everything, couldn't find it, and then I was like, "This thing and I are gonna have, <laughs> we're gonna have one hell of a time living together." I'm gonna encounter it one night in my sleep. That's the worst thing is is trying to kill a spider and losing it because you've yeah. pissed it off, yeah. you've lost it, and usually at the, it almost always happens when it's time to go to bed. Well, and I probably <laughs> killed the spider's mother at one point within the last 48 hours because there was a larger spider in my room, and so now it's probably got a vendetta against you me. You do realize if a spider has a kid in your room, room there'll be like thousands of them. Oh, yeah. Little kids oh. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm just gonna, a little bit of gasoline and a match. That'll They'll, they'll it's that it's funny that you mentioned though the poppy thing because that's a tradition that I miss from Canada that I haven't that they don't do that in the states and I think it's a really neat tradition that we should we should do here. Uh, it doesn't really, but see the thing here, the thing about it being here is is that because we didn't have such we weren't so involved in World War One. I, I think is why yeah. they don't why yeah, we maybe. don't take it so. But then again, you know, in the World War One Museum. To your point, in Kansas City, they have a, a fake field of poppies there. Yeah. So I think you're right. I, I think it would be nice if we had the I poppies. I think they just use it as a symbol for all people that have, have passed in all wars. 
yeah, if that's it makes a good, you feel yeah, any better, point. I purchased my poppy with a crisp American five dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> so you're welcome. Do they take our, our do they take off. American currency in, in Quebec now? She looked at it and she said, oh, "That'll be fine." I was like, "All right, well, it's worth more than whatever we got, so it better be fine." <laughs> That'll be fine. Thanks for your donation. That'll do, Canadian. That'll do. That'll do. Um, yeah, that's that. That's that's crazy. Well, we got we've got uh, Veterans Day coming up next week, and we've actually got, we do uh, we got a good little uh, little show planned for that. So uh, it'll be fun. To quote uh, Jason McCarthy, we gotta we, we gotta get some good living going you know we gotta living. we gotta live it up uh for all those guys who uh who can't who gave yeah. it for freedom so have you guys uh been uh look seeing this stuff about uh kevin spacey oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i mean is anybody surprised well i that's what my mom said yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of been like an ongoing like hidden hollywood secret for yeah. years that like people know that He's he's in the closet, but I mean the pedophilia stuff. That's that's just I don't know. Well, and some people I, I I've encountered people who have almost holy ex- crap. What that's you're gonna that's a lot. Burn that's a lot out. of Burn okay for out. our listeners who can't see this. Oh, um, we have a little <laughs> bottle of this. You're pulling the curtain. This uh, breathe easy essential right, oil that you just put like a drop in your <laughs> hand and cup it over your Ooh, mouth, and I just nice. watched. You know what it put smells like? like? What does hands. it smell like? <laughs> it smell. It reminds me of those days that I used to do yard work with diesel. And like I would get it, like it, it, I just you know some Stings people like the, the nostrils, yeah, yeah. sex panther. Am I right? It works seventy percent of the time, every time. But um, but no, it just reminds me of those good old days. Some people like the smell of gasoline. I yeah. am one of those people. I am too. And uh, it it just I don't know, it clears you out. Anyways, but that stuff is good though. Like I use, I started using those essential oils for my allergies about a year ago, and they help out a lot. Like especially when you're at the house, and mm. now I just started a lot like about two weeks ago carrying a bottle around with me like that and whenever i'm having issues it <laughs> to, helps to be clear to our audience we're not trying to sell you essential oils no. this happened purely by accident <laughs> that yeah. and whatever the hell you and were talking you about click the link in the show notes what was that what was uh, that late, right. or late i got a deal for you that we were talking about last episode late yeah yeah where John kept like, talking about yeah. the lathe. Yeah, yeah, the lathe. Okay. If it's you get yourself a lathe, you know. <laughs> it's all subliminal the, messaging. The wooden cereal bowls, Anyways, are, they'll, so, they'll be, you know. <laughs> wait, back to Kevin Spacey. I've I've had some people who recently have been trying to excuse away the pedophilia story as like, you know. Like, <laughs> because they like him. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, because Kevin Spacey's I, kind of a likable, like, guy. He, he is. And he people is. don't, well, no, want, yeah. people don't, don't want to yeah, admit that. That's a good point. You don't want to, like, his whole career like i i was even thinking to myself i was like gosh like like kevin spacey by far wasn't one of my favorite actors but like he like had so many good movies that i love like uh uh glenn gary glenn ross and and la confidential like yeah. he was just he did have some fred great claus. <laughs> was he in fred claus yeah, it's a great movie uh, nobody nobody knows fred claus it came on the tail end of all those christmas movies that it's were a like good one I, I i i don't doubt it but i feel like <laughs> I feel like Elf stole its thunder or something. Yeah, but, There's um, no home alone. I'll tell you that. Or 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 Santa Claus. Uh, or it's Santa a wonderful Claus life. Three, the Escape Clause. How about that? <laughs> the Escape Clause. What a great title. <laughs> Anyways, 
bottom line is you're right. Um, but I think some people are also like, I don't know, it's a weird sort of denial where they like, they try to make it like sound like, oh yeah, like this sounds like a one-time thing. And you're sort of like, when you look at the picture of Anthony Rapp as a child, you're like, yeah, that's a child. Like, there's no <laughs> way anybody You're trying to justify like, it. Like, wait, as what much, did he look like? As much alcohol, did he look yeah. like an adult no, no, male? No, 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 I mean, this was this was an article that was talking about this. How people are trying to explain away, like, almost saying, like, oh, he probably looked older than he was, and all this stuff. And I was like, no, al- no amount of alcohol in the world is going to make you think that 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 that's a you know eighteen year old. It looks he looks like a ten year old in the picture. Yeah. But on top of that, it's like it's the same. I mean, we've talked about Roman Polanski on this podcast. It's the same sort of thing that people pull with the whole Roman Polanski case, yeah, and sure. that people have been pulling for a long time. And it's like the problem is, is that now it's like they have to own up to the fact that yeah. that their whole protectionism around these people is complete i mean part part of my french canadian bull <laughs> um and like people like meryl streep actually have to own up to the fact that they've been protecting pedophiles yeah it's one true. of my favorite things about kevin spacey throughout the years was you'd never hear about him unless it was about the project and i loved that because yeah. you were able to you know separate the actor from the art and <laughs> so much i so, found that really refreshing so much so that people often speculated it was like one of two things that you heard about kevin spacey was that he was either gay or republican or nothing at all <laughs> it was just like it was so funny cuz like when i'd hear like people say like yeah i hear kevin spacey he's actually a republican and i'm sort of like really <laughs> like where are you where are you getting that like i feel like it is like the loch ness monster of like just because you don't just because it's under the surface it's like you, there's so much mystery you know that you could attribute to it it's so funny but but you were even saying like elijah wood uh who you know uh was also a child star like he he was even coming out with like stuff about how you know there was i mean basically he was alluding to that there's a culture of pedophilia in the entertainment industry that is protected and i've heard this you know on from accounts that aren't just conspiracy theorists like it's it's it does seem like it would be a place where something like that would thrive. And what what does that say though about an industry that people like it, it means the industry cultivates this whole culture of people that put the, the moving forward at the top of their priority. And then they act like, um, when this stuff comes out, they they act like it's a it's a shock or like we need to change the industry. Yet th- these people are perpetuating this all the time. It's like whatever it takes to move forward, step on whoever you need to to you know get to the top. And they wonder why like why Middle America or the rest of the country looks to Hollywood as like this just bastion of all things immoral. I don't know. Well, I mean, I've always held that the industry, and this is something that's sort of concerned me lately. And I mean, I'm not in the industry. Like I'm on the fringe of the industry if, at mm-hmm. best. Um, yeah, me too. But like, but I do feel like uh, it's a very unprofessional place in many regards. I mean, there are people who work very hard in the film industry, but like it's pretty unprofessional and it's very unethical. Yeah. And it, it does like, it's, I feel like it's it, the house that's now burning down around uh, Hollywood's ears 
is the culture that they built for themselves. Yeah. And even, I mean, Hugh Hefner passing away around this time. I mean, it's like, you can't really have your cake and eat it too. Like, <clears throat> like they kind of spread this myth of, um, I don't know. I mean, it just, it, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like the culture that they built up in which, uh, um, I don't even know if I want to get into this. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get off into like, into more idealized forms. Well, of, I mean, of I'll, I'll say this, right. Okay. The industry is up in arms about, about, uh, about our president, right? They don't, it's, yeah. it's very liberal. And I, yeah. I mean, I've said it on the show. I'm not a big fan of him. Uh, I think that most people can have a rational reason and still not be a fan of him because of who he is as a person. I mean, he's not, it's not dear leader. No, <laughs> so he's not dear leader. It's America. We can disagree with him. But he is a product of this industry. Yeah. Is he, he is their ideals. Yeah. I suppose. As a so, world yeah. leader. And it's like, a lot of them don't see that irony. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is something. Yeah. I mean, I, well, that is like, uh, I mean, he is like an entertainment icon and, and the fact that, I don't know, it's just, you know, the hypocrisy of like everybody coming out and, and slamming Trump over what, I mean, obviously like if, if what he said on that audio tape was, was true or was yeah. alluding to real events, then that's like pretty despicable and it's yeah. a terrible character and borderline also illegal depending on the circumstances however it's always illegal however well i mean you know like i mean I, well, well let's not get into that I, i'm not gonna I, I i just i got myself into like a weird place there where i started to i wanted to discuss that no, and i'm not even gonna go there but um the point being that like it, it doesn't it just seem like the tamest it does really seem like locker room talk at this point when you look at the the stuff that people who were criticizing him aka Harvey Weinstein and a lot of his supporters and people who have been brought down lately um have been dragged in for you know I don't know it's true honestly i'm i'm all for kicking back and kind of watching the house burn down at this point because yeah. i i i mean like i i said this to somebody uh, at a at a Halloween party. I was like, because they were trying to make it sound like, um, I don't know. It's like, I feel like being a man in the industry now, it's like, they try to like kind of pin it on you. But I just mm -hmm. said, no, I, I love women and I hate rapists. So, yeah. We're all on the same, you know, we're all on the same <laughs> we're train on the same here. Page here. Yeah, seriously. Anyways. While we're on the subject, I, I watched Hollow Men with Kevin Bacon as my Halloween <laughs> choice. Did, because yeah. Is it because we, we, wait, weren't we, didn't we like, weren't we trying to figure something out last episode? Yeah, we're, we're trying Kevin to figure Bacon out flatliners. Oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, okay. There you go. Yes, I guess that was in my subconscious, so I sure. threw in Hollow Man. And the very first thing he does when he turns into Invisible Man, he rapes somebody. It's terrible thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think doesn't. He, I think they may have cut that scene though, where he he rapes somebody. But well, they don't in the version I saw anyway. Yeah. They don't really show anything that's more alluded to. But yeah. you know what he's been doing. I mean, it's like when I was a kid, uh, my dad rented the Invisible Man oh, with Claude Rains <laughs> for me, and it was. It was like, it was pretty scary. Like even then, like that old movie where he's like, he, I, I remember he like ties a guy up in a car and he like sends the car like down a cliff or something. And it was just horrifying. But hmm. that's what people, that's why if you ask somebody, if you had a superpower, what would it be? 
if they say invisibility, then they're supposed to be a sociopath. <laughs> Because basically Let's the only, Eric the about only that or, or, or rather, or rather, <laughs> I think it's something to do with antisocial tendencies. I'll, I'll dumb it down a little bit, but I think there is a point to it where it's like, if you say invisibility, the whole reason that you would want invisibility typically is to, is to do things without people seeing you or see people without them seeing yeah. you. It's Well, it's like the internet, right? It's like, that's basically the invisible man. That's why all the that's comments section on everything, including this podcast. Oh, oh, oh I see. I see where this is going. Horrible, horrible things. <laughs> yes. The, the, the comments, it's, it's, it is a bastion of, it's a swamp. <laughs> Have you guys uh, watched the latest uh, Stranger Things yet? I'm I have indeed. Halfway through it. I'm halfway through too. Ooh, really? Yeah. What episode are you on? I'm on, I just finished four. Oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you are technically halfway through. I think I'm on. I think I'm moving into six or okay. seven. Oh well, you're pretty. You're getting. I'm getting. The I'm getting line. along. I'll be really interested to hear what you think of. Uh, I think it's the next episode after four. Really? Well, or, I don't know. I guess this isn't very interesting. Nobody <laughs> like nobody's watching. They're like, oh, well, like, well, hey, no, you no, see we, this? We don't, don't uh, want to. I mean, we, obviously, we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. I would hate for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. But um. But I don't know. I mean, so far, I guess just speaking generally, I think it's it's doing a pretty great job. I mean, yeah. I think it's keeping characters uh, going. Uh, at this midpoint that I'm at, I, I'm starting to question some of their decisions. But then the whole thing that I typically go back to with Stranger Things is that, like, it's all such a, like, I mean, what in film school we'd call it, like a pastiche. A pastiche. It, a pastiche. It's like all just such a collage of of eighties references and everything, and they do certain things well. But at the end of the day, it's like it's kind of cheap entertainment. I will say the first episode to me in this series uh, of this second season was a little cutesy, hmm. just like in the way, like the way it was edited and the way it was kind of set up. Like it was definitely tongue in cheek and self aware, but I was like, eh. I, if this whole season's going to be like this, I'm not going to be a fan. Well, but yeah. it wasn't. It was only like like the first, you know, opening of the episode. I don't know. What did you think, John? Yeah, thumbs up or uh, thumbs down. The season definitely started slowly, but I liked that because you got to kind of re- relax back into the the era, which I find is the most appealing thing of the show is is the uh, uh, the aesthetic of it. Yeah, like the atmosphere of it and everything. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I feel like um, we ended up watching the first season before go, going back and in, going into the new season. And I do think that as great as the show is, it's not as great with a repeated viewing because it feels like I, you know yeah. everything that's happening yeah. and you realize, oh, this whole thing could be a good like two hour and 30 minute movie. Did yeah. I misuse yeah. the word aesthetic? No, no, that's you're right. Okay. <laughs> Let's consult I wasn't sure if you're correcting me or not. Um well, well, here's a question. So you having rewatched because honestly like I was starting to rewatch the first season yeah. and I yeah, I, I agree with you. Like it, I didn't it didn't hold much interest yeah. for me to rewatch it. But, because you know that what's coming and then it feels slow right. to you. At least to me, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the, and the, the and honestly like I feel like the payoff of the first season isn't that great. Like I mean once uh, when you're in the momentum of it it doesn't really anyways. But um one question I have is in the first season did they use like music 
Like, uh, I feel like in the second season, they're using a lot of iconic 80s songs to kind of move the plot forward. Yeah. But did they do that in the they first season? They did some of that, yeah. Yeah, there was some stuff by The Clash. And, okay, um, yeah, The Clash. But, um, but it was like kind of within the... It yeah, was but like the for show. the credits and stuff, they closed out with some things. I'm trying to remember what stuff, know. but yeah, they definitely use a lot of 80s music. The, for some reason, though, the score in this one makes me think a little bit of um, of uh, Twin Peaks a little bit. In the second in season. In the second season. I feel like the second season has a bit of Twin Peaks. I also think it has a bit of The Thing, where like, um, which I mean, The Thing, if you listen to the score, it's basically just like, dum dum. <laughs> yeah. But it's incredibly effective. Oh, it is very. Oh, it's like I mean, Ennio Morricone knew exactly what he was. (laughs) Either that, or he was just like the, like he was like this. This is a very easy way to get the paycheck, (laughs) which is exactly how how Ennio Morricone Morricone and how much of that was actually John Carpenter, because I know he did some of his own composing as well. Well, I don't know Ennio Morricone. I think is credited, but I agree with you in that, like John Carpenter, I think. I think he probably had the concepts yeah. nailed down. Mm. That whole and the heartbeat. best thing of Stranger Things, Paul Reiser. Yeah, I was going to say that. Paul I was really Reiser. happy to see. I knew he was going to be in because I listened to his interview on the Kevin Pollack show. Actually, you told me to listen to it earlier yeah. this summer, and he was talking about getting cast well, in that and stuff. I was like, oh, yes, this is great. I love Paul Reiser. Well, and Sean Astin, too. Sean Astin. Yeah, and oh, his yeah, character's great. Oh, yeah, I love his, his character. character's awesome. I mean, it just reminds yeah. you of what a great actor Sean Astin is. Yeah. And I mean, uh, to be fair, the guy has had like, I mean, multiple iconic roles from child stardom into adulthood. Like, I feel like he's one of those actors where like, you know, he had, when he was a kid, it was the Goonies. And then when he was like kind of younger-ish, it was Rudy. And then, yeah. you know... Uh, and then, of course, Lord of the Rings. But. All right. Um, now it's time for a little segment we like to call Listener Mail. All right. Uh, this is the segment of the show where we interact with you, the listener, and you can interact with us on social media, all the social media platforms. We got the Facebook, the Instagram, the uh, Twitters. Twitters. And um, most importantly, leaving iTunes (laughs) (laughs) leaving iTunes reviews um, not only gives us something to read and talk about on the show, but it also helps with our our search ranking and our it's showing up in the iTunes store. So uh, go to the website, click the iTunes link, and leave a review if you like the show. Also, you can leave a voicemail by calling man eight one scoff. Uh, for a chance to be uh, featured on the show. And you can leave a review if you don't like the show. Those yeah. are entertaining We're as well. We're fine with the negative reviews. We We've love, read negative we reviews. We love the critics. Yeah, those are, yeah. Our, those are our favorite type of reviews. Nobody yeah. likes the Canadian. <laughs> Nobody. All right, what does that uh, email say? From This one comes right. into our email address. Uh, okay, this one's from Jeffrey Shaw. Okay. It's actually Jeff Shaw, but I took some liberties yeah, there. Well, there he that. says, uh, hey, guys, love the show. It's refreshing to hear a podcast talk about the important things in life. I have a questions for the pipe smokers on the podcast. Sorry, John. I, I actually have a pipe or two. 
I just don't use it. Um, he says, uh, I'm a new pipe smoker and looking to add to my pipe collection. What kind of pipe and flavored tobacco do you recommend for a newbie like me? Thanks mm. and keep up the great work. Mm. Well, thank you, Jeff. That's a, that's a good uh, good question. Um, I'll start and I'll let uh, Donovan give some input too. Um so you're looking to add a pipe. What I would say, I don't know what pipes you have, but I really do enjoy the corncob pipes, even though I do have um, have a couple briar pipes. I enjoy the corncob pipes because they're so cheap and they smoke really well. So I like the Country Gentleman, which is a really good one. Um, it's like a big bowl and it just looks cool. And... Um, you could also, if you order from most online places, you can pick the the stem you want. If you pick, um, I forget what it's, it's called, the Danish stem, it's a much wider, more comfortable uh, stem than the stock stem that comes with the Country Gentleman pipe. Um, and you can get it in amber if you like that color. You can kind of customize it to the way you like it. Um, and flavor of tobacco, I'm guessing if you just started, you probably got some Lane 1Q, uh, which is kind of what the house blend is at any tobacco shop. And that's always a great kind of vanilla kind of, you know, um, Van- I don't know, like a vanilla bourbon kind of tasting yeah, tobacco. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other one I would recommend is um, a lot of people don't like aromatic cherry tobaccos, <laughs> but I, I, there's one blend that I really like. It's called cult, uh, cult, uh, what is it called? Cult is the brand is called blood red moon. And some cherry tobacco tastes like cough medicine. This stuff is actually really tasty and you actually really get the cherry from it. Uh, how about you, Donovan? You got any, uh, I mean, I'd have to agree with you on most of that. I mean, I, I do love a Meerschaum pipe. Um, and obviously the corn cob I think is a great place to start for beginners because they're cheap and they're easy to smoke. You're not gonna, I feel like they're pretty easy to season too. I feel like yeah. you can't really go wrong. The, when you're the seasoning breaking it. period, like basically once you smoke it once, it's yeah. broken in. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you've probably already bought yourself a pipe, but I would, I, one, one thing that I really went through initially when I was, uh, just, you know, starting out was how I kind of wanted the pipe to like what, what I was looking for out of the bite of the, of the pipe, if that makes any sense. Like some of them have a curvature to them and that is interesting because it kind of, you know, allows you to, um, I don't know what the point of that is, but like, you know, ultimately it, it curves a little bit more. I typically like a bent pipe. I, I like. uh, personally, like I, I really like a straight, you know, a straight, uh, I guess, uh, mouthpiece on the pipe so that I can like actually put it in my mouth and smoke it like yeah. for long periods of time without taking it out. Um, you think that that, that the straight makes you do that more? Like yeah, makes well, it easier I, for you to I hold? just remember particularly when I was, I used to smoke while I was driving. So yeah. like, uh, I think that may have been the kind of the the starting of that was like, I would just bite it. Like I would put it in the back of my jaw and I would yeah. just sort of puff at it. Um, it's funny. Cause I feel like the straight ones are, it takes more effort to hold it in your mouth. Cause you're holding it up more. Like you're clenching yeah. it more to hold it up. Well, it depends. <laughs> I think like forward to seems me, more like it to depends me. on whether you're doing it with the front of your teeth or the back of your teeth. And like, I would use the back. Like, so yeah. I would, I would basically just clench down tight on my jaw. Um, 
but and and that's harder to do when it has like the curvature on it um and as far as flavor tobacco goes i definitely like that vanilla sort of rum flavor yeah um and i mean typically i was doing custom blends i actually have cut back on my pipe tobacco smoking because i was quitting cigarettes and i found that that was sort of the gateway drug into back into the old cities <laughs> but uh as so i've been doing cigars more and more lately but however so, more nicotine <laughs> hey, going the wrong way there Don. Uh, you know you know you, you i i've explained this to you i was inhaling with the pipe and that that ain't good yeah. um but anyways point being um i was uh i was going to um uh the uh Tinderbox, Tinderbox, which is now closed, unfortunately. Yeah, so I, any of the any of the pipe tobacco I would recommend to you would be, but if you're, gone. you you want to go to uh, to buy this stuff online, I would say go to uh, Country Squire. If you uh, we've had John David Cole on the show before, they've got a great podcast all about pipe smoking. They've got like I think like close to three hundred episodes or maybe more. I don't know. Um, about they go into details about everything about pipes, tobaccos, pipe history. It's insane, yeah. and uh, they're they're just a great business. So go support them. Um, you know, they they John David Cole. I think just ships out all that stuff himself. So they're truly like a small business. So go and support them if you want to get some more stuff. Um, let's go to a listener voicemail here um, from. Our listener voicemail uh, number at Man Eat One's Cough. Oh, hi. This is Jessup. Uh, love the show, guys. My question is for Donovan. I uh, heard you're training for the Go Ruck Challenge. That's great. Bunch of sweaty men running in, in mud. I hope y'all take pictures <laughs> and videos and, and post them on the side. Um, I guess my question was, um, one of the episodes back, you were really talking about your short shorts, sometimes referred to as ranger panties. I just wonder if you're going to wear them. Because, you know, I just think that probably help you on the run. That's all. And, uh, yeah, just don't forget to take photos and videos. Okay? Thanks, guys. Ta-ta. <laughs> oh, man. Man, that made me... Uh... Slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I don't. Why, why am I? I'm, uh, it seems like I'm drawing out all the crazies here with my Instagram posts and especially on the listener voicemail. Boy, um, well, thank you, Jessup, uh, for your um, for your for your question. Um, to answer it, I I suppose I I was gonna wear Ranger panties. But now I'm kind of rethinking. You might want to rethink that, (laughs) (laughs) you know. So, uh, but um, you know, uh, and you know, pictures and and video. We'll we'll probably have a picture or two to 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 post. Yeah. How's your go ruck training going? By the way, Uh, it's been going pretty well actually i i've been uh, the other day though here's the problem i um i overloaded my pack because i got frustrated because like i said i was sick yeah and i went like a week off training and and like yeah anyways um so i overloaded my pack and then i i ended up tweaking a back muscle which is never fun oh no but that being said uh I think I'll probably be back in fighting shape tomorrow. So I gotta, I gotta really pick up the pace, though. That's yeah, the thing. I do too. I feel like, I feel like here's, here's, but you know, here's the thing. I think we should both 
keep a steady pace going till Christmas. Yeah. And then once we hit the new year, but we have to plan for this. It can't just be some BS new year's resolution. Once we hit the new year, that's when we really need to start doing the, uh, the high intensity stuff. Yeah. They they have a whole training schedule. And John's going to join us actually. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah. He's got his plane ticket booked and everything, right? That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my, right faith, here. my faith in this is, is, is going down by the second. Hey, you, you know, can, can, uh, Canada has to be represented in some way. Shape, yeah, we got to get you. you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be wearing any maple leaves on my on my on my Ranger rug. panties. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you guys want to join us, I, like I said, I was off for a little while. I was yeah. sick, too, and I started back. And it's it's hard when you get started back. At the same going back and then thinking you could start with the same weight you did when you were off like a yeah, week ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing what a week will do. I know it's insane. Yeah, um, anybody can join us. Just yeah, maybe Jessup. Uh, you just stay where you are. I don't know. Jessup doesn't sound like the kind of guy that would do a go rock challenge. But hey, don't voice, you never know. Don't voice shame Jessup. <laughs> Leave him alone. All right, let's go to a quick break, and we'll be back with Joel Scrivener, author of. Winology. Scofflaws, I wanted to take a second to talk to you about Patreon. Um, now, if you've never heard of Patreon, basically it's a platform for creators, for, for, for patrons who are fans of a, a, a given creator to help support their creation. So we have a Patreon page for the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast. You could support the show for as little as a dollar an episode, which is like what? This is cheaper than a, than a Starbucks coffee, right? So maybe give up uh, one. Why does everyone always do that? They say it's cheaper than a cup of coffee. Okay, what what else do you spend a dollar on? Uh, maybe uh, you know it's it's cheaper than uh, you know buying uh, you know uh, Q-tips. You know maybe you don't need Q-tips for the month. You know maybe this month you avoid Q-tips, right? I don't know. I mean, I hear they're bad for you anyway, but maybe maybe that's not true. I, I don't. Maybe, maybe don't sacrifice anything related to health um, for for the dollar an episode. But um, Patreon is great because uh, you, the patron, also gets rewards for uh, joining the Patreon. So uh, examples of stuff that we have are extended interviews and outtakes, stuff that gets cut out of the episode that you don't hear for time's sake because we try to keep a tight, you know, entertaining show. And sometimes there is some gold that doesn't make the final cut. So you get to listen to some of that. Um, Also, you get uh, behind-the-scenes videos, photos, and bonus episodes. For example, we did a bonus episode at the Big Shave West, um, which was a lot of fun. So more of those type of things are coming, as well as monthly live video hangouts where you can interact with us in person, which is a lot of fun. We've done a couple of, of, of free ones to test it out, and it's been a lot of fun. We get to talk with uh, the listeners in real time and get to know them, and uh, they get to ask questions, and it's always a, it's always a good time. And here's the piece de resistance is um, when we hit our, our, our goal mark, we are launching a whole new movie review podcast, a gentleman's golf law movie review podcast. Since, you know, we're, we're all of us on the show are writers and filmmakers, and that's our background. We love movies. Um, we're going to go through a catalog of what we think are either gentlemen or scofflaw-esque movies. Um, so if you join, you'll get that show as well. 
everyone who joins on Patreon at any one of the tiers, even at the dollar an episode, gets a free Gentleman's Golf Law vinyl sticker, which is super cool. It's like a full color sticker. You, could, you know, it's uh, really sticky. You could stick it on, uh, you know, anything you want to stick it on. Also, you'll get thanked on the air for your support. So check out patreon.com slash gentscofflaw, or you could go to gentlemanscofflaw.com and click the support link on our menu, and it'll take you right there. We look forward to seeing you on Patreon, and thank you for supporting the show. All right, um, I'm excited to have this uh, guest, a friend of mine, and um, author of uh, the book Winology, and he's also a uh, team corporate performance coach, among many other things, which we'll get into. Joel Scrivener, thanks for coming on. Man, it is my pleasure, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Great to uh, be on the show with you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Um, you've been texting me uh, about you've been rucking lately, which we've been talking a lot I, about on this show. <laughs> I have. In fact, I'm kind of sore right now. I uh, I've, I, I listened to your show and I checked out the, uh, uh, the whole rucking thing and thought I would give it a whirl on one of my uh, supposed, you know, low impact days. And then I was sore uh, for my low impact day turned out to not be so low impact. So, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm, I'm up to you know 35 pounds and do an hour, hour and a half, you know, whatever. Just, uh, nice. I, I actually went out and did like a real hike the other day with some terrain and some, you know, uh, up, ups and downs and hills and trails. And it was intense, man. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Wait, where did you find that in Dallas? How did you find uh, that in that area? The, there's an Arbor Hills Nature Preserve. They have mountain biking trails. So oh, yeah, I go yeah. walk on the mountain biking trails and oh, just get sense. a little extra, little off-road action. You get, you get a little bit of extra exercise or mental exercise when you have to dodge the, the mountain bikers coming down the trail at you. Yes. Yes. Or just knock them over, yeah. you know, either yeah. or with all that or. weight on your back. It's, I mean, it's like know, a special forces dive bombing uh, <laughs> simulation. Right. Um, a lot of people, well, our listeners wouldn't know this about you, but you are a former six time national four time world, uh, combat taekwondo champ let's talk a little bit about that i mean let's hear about your background first and how you got started yeah yeah it's pretty cool well, i uh you know i got started in the martial arts i was a uh, i was 11 and my mom signed me up for a a class uh called wild bunch karate in broken arrow <laughs> oklahoma now it was 1985 and apparently parents didn't know not to sign your kid up anywhere named wild bunch <laughs> uh, karate and um our second class there were 50 kids in a gymnasium and within two classes we we're bare knuckle fighting on a hardwood gym floor Holy crap. and my uh my, someone kicked my sister and i don't know how you grew up uh, but you know, there's a basic rule in Oklahoma that no one kicks our sister except for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, no, I can kick her, but you can't kick her. And, and so, I, you know, I asked the instructor if I could fight that guy next. And I don't know if he knew it was my sister and wanted to see what would happen or he was oblivious to it. But, you know, he told us to make our little fighting positions. And when he said, go, I flew at this guy with all the rage my little 11 year old body had. And I made up a move and I kicked this kid in the face. I mean, literally, I knew nothing. I, I, I learned, you know, kick, kick, chop is all I knew after two classes. But I kicked this kid in the face and uh, busted his lips and, and he's on the ground crying and the instructor yells, 
stop and the whole gymnasium just silent right and he walks up and he goes that was awesome you're going to the tournament this weekend and that was the that was when i realized that i had a natural ability for inflicting bodily harm without feeling any remorse whatsoever it's a special <laughs> gift Jordan, that, that not many people have but yeah. um oh, but i man. have that one gosh that's crazy so that was my competition career was born at 11 and uh, by the time i was 14 i was already winning nationals and, and working my way up through the ranks and uh, made the U.S. Taekwondo team uh, for the Global Taekwondo Federation at 19. And then I was on the world stage, man, had a really fun career doing that and traveled the world and competed and fought. And, and, and then I hit a stage where I really wanted to, you know, move beyond just training people in the martial arts and use those, uh, that specific skill set and the psyche of a world-class competitor to help people uh, win in life in all different types of ways. And so I initially moved into the nonprofit sector and uh, worked uh, at, at my church and did youth ministry and things like that and kind of developed through uh, uh, working with the, all the different parts of the congregation and and then uh, into the corporate sector. So it's been a lot of fun uh, working with different people, um, different corporations and helping uh, teams win and, and uh, have better uh, synergy and, and morale and, and employee engagement, things like that. And just you know, specifically taking the thing, the, the skill sets, the principles that I developed, uh, becoming a world-class competitor and world champion, and then helping people translate that into their everyday life and literally learn how to, to attack life and uh, get the most out of it. To, uh, to kick uh, life in the lips like you did in that. Uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Kick life Sometimes you just have to kick life in the lips. <laughs> Great, great t-shirt idea yeah. right there. Let's and, add that to the, the list. And I've got a little, uh, I found a little video of you on YouTube uh, kicking a water bottle off a kid's head, and it's insane <laughs> in slow motion and everything. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so people could know that you're not you're not making this up. That seems like I am not making this up. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an old party trick. Now, you know, when you, again, growing up in Oklahoma, I would go to parties. You know, I was a high school kid. You know, I was already you know, multi-time national champ. So I had all these little party tricks where I would kick beer cans off people's heads and kick cigarettes out of people's mouths. And, <laughs> you know, it's it one of those, you know, fun little things, you know, how you pick up chicks uh, in uh, rural Oklahoma. And it, is that when you would like kick out a cigarette out of their mouth and you'd go, don't do drugs. <laughs> yes. That's how, that's how my motivational and inspirational career started. It was uh, anti drinking and smoking gigs at, uh, uh, local uh, local hotspots. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mr. T. Eat your greens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but for real though, I started going to high schools and doing these anti-drug seminars. Oh, and awesome. I would, I had, you know, as I grew in my career, I, I began to, that's kind of how my speaking uh, uh, career began as I would go for promotional, for business, you know, uh, promotions for my martial arts studio. We had about 400 students in Plano and we had, you know, uh, at any given moment. So we trained thousands of students, but, you know, we would go and do these exhibitions and, you know, U S team exhibitions. And we would literally do things like that. Red ribbon week, you know, kick drugs, kick drugs out of America kind of, (laughs) kind of stuff. (laughs) And that was our get into, get into schools, uh, you know, ticket. And, uh, so yeah, all the, all the party tricks from high school when I was doing the stuff. Now I, had ammo uh, to talk to teenagers about it as I got a little bit older. So good times. That's great. I, it's funny when I was in high school, 
I um I I won this competition that was an anti-smoking uh, campaign, and it was uh, <laughs> they have anti-smoking competitions. It was, like, now. it was like you did some artwork, and they would use it like as like a campaign or something. And I my artwork was a picture of a donkey with a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> And over it had like the little like the Ghostbusters the circle with the line through it, and it said, "Yeah, don't be an ass, don't smoke." That that's a fantastic and, piece of art, Jordan. Can, can we get this posted yeah, to the Tillman Scott Law Instagram? I wonder if my parents still have it, but it's um. It got picked by the principal. Like he actually liked it. I was sure, like <laughs> that, I was pushing the boundaries or whatever. And then it won the competition. And I was like, and I was like, well, it's not. Like, I'm not swearing. It's like it's 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 an ass right there on the poster. He's smoking, and that's not a good thing to do. And uh, and I remember some other kids saw mine and just did some like totally outlandish, like profane poster, and like got thrown in, <laughs> got thrown in detention. And they're like, you don't understand, Jordan. Was a clever play on words. You're just right. you're just being raunchy, um, but now yeah, and now I host a podcast where I smoke a pipe. So uh, kind of went the other way on that. Full, full circle. That's awesome. Um, yeah, let's. Let, I want to know how you transitioned from the kind of martial arts world um, and working with with the youth in your church, and then how do you go into winology? Like, let's. Let's talk okay. about what winology yeah. is and how that got started and what that transition sure. is. Sure, sure. You know, it really it, the whole the whole principle came. I, w- I was I was fourteen years old, and again, it, this is something for for thirty years now. I've been uh, really digging into these specific uh, principles that I learned through my martial arts training of how to be you know how to be a world class competitor, and and then how to translate those into all the different facets of my life. And it literally started with me getting a D in freshman Spanish and my dad sitting me down and saying, you know, Joel, come on, you're, you're a world, you're, pardon me at that time, national champ, you're a black belt, you know how to win. What's up with this D? And I'm like, you know, dad, it's boring. Spanish is boring. How will I possibly ever need Spanish in my life? That was my mindset, right? Yeah. If I had only known I would live in Texas one day and I could really <laughs> use a little Spanish uh, from time to time. Um, but at, at the time I wasn't interested in, I said, dad, it's, you know, it's it's boring. I don't want to do it. He's like, well, you know, uh, what is it about the martial arts that you like? You certainly can't like everything. And I said, well, I mean, what do you mean? He goes, well, you don't like the black guys because being a shorter guy, uh, five foot seven, I was always fighting taller guys and taller guys hit you first as that yeah. works. So, and they're punching down on you. So I literally grew up my whole life. Every other week I have it. It was, I was like trading black eyes, you know, left eye, right eye, left eye, right. So yeah. I literally went to prom with a black eye. I almost got a black eye. The, the two days before I got married, I, you know, um, you know, when I, when I made the U S Taekwondo team in 1993, I literally at the tryouts, I had two black guys. I lived my whole life with black guys as a shorter uh, fighter. And, you know, I was a, I was a middleweight that thought I was a heavyweight, you know, I just had that kind of a, you know, rough and tumble style. But, um, so he's like, certainly you don't like everything. You don't like the black guys. You don't like, you know, being, I'm, I'm, I'm 44 now, Jordan, I can still do the splits like a, you know, Russian gymnast because wow. my instructors pushed me down, pop my hips out of socket when I'm, tw- you know, 12 years old. And so now I'm basically just deformed and I can still, <laughs> you know, do all this uh, stuff. Um, thankfully it didn't affect my child uh, bearing uh, abilities. Um, but, but it was definitely a hostile environment to say the least. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, he's like, you don't, you can't like all of it. What do you like? And I said, I, I like winning dad. I like fighting. I like winning. 
And he said this, and this is where he trapped me. He's like, well, Joel, wouldn't you consider getting an A in Spanish winning? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so. He goes, why can't you just take the same tenacity, discipline, focus, and focus it toward getting that A, mark it up as a trophy, move on. And, 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 and just get the A and move on and, and call that a win. And I'm like, well, okay, kind of challenge accepted, right? Yeah. You know, uh, and so, so I went on and I got an A in, in Spanish the next semester. And it literally just tripped this tripwire that I felt like, man, for, I, I can take the same disciplines, skill sets, tenacity, focus, uh, c- confidence, all of that that I'm learning as a, as a competitor, and I can translate it into anything. And so it, literally this whole winology concept was – it is something that I have been working on for 30 years. Well, I had developed um, my nine-step system and had been using it for years uh, in the nonprofit sector, working with uh, lots of different professionals, things like that. And then, uh, and then three years ago, I had an invitation to uh, go and help a friend of mine who was the uh, manager of the largest Whole Foods market in all of Dallas, their flagship store. And he said, look, man, my team, they, they don't know how to think like world-class competitors. Can you come in here and teach my team how to think like a world-class competitor? Because we got Sprouts and Trader Joe's and Central Market and all these other people coming into our space. And I need my managers to, to have a, a, a competition, a competitive mentality, a, a, you know, a world-class mentality. And I'm like, absolutely, I can do that. I have a system I've been using and training individuals in for years. Um, I've just never gone in and done it in a team format in, in corporations before. So I literally, I go in there and I, I didn't have a name for it at the time, but um, I, my, my first session I'm working on, and it went so well that he had me come back again. And I'm like, man, I got a year's worth of content. I can help your team you know, exponentially. So he kept having me come back and, and like probably the second or third time, I'm like, you know, really what I want to teach you about is this, it's basically the study of winning. It's basically like winology. And I said it out loud and I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm onto something, you know, I, I, I <laughs> And so I went and I looked it up and no one had written a book named Monology. Nobody owned the domain name. Nobody had trademarked it. And I'm like, holy cow, I think I got some, I, th- I might have an original idea yeah. uh, here. So um, my friend's like, look, man, this is going so well. I need you to take this and give me a product that I can take to uh, cor- corporate and essentially get the okay from corporate to do this because you know, I, I, I'm, I've hired you and you're doing this for me and it's making a massive impact. But I didn't actually ask permission. So can you bring me a product? So, so all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I've got to, I got to go, I got to write this book. I got to create this product because now I've got the, this golden opportunity, which my first principle of winology is called, it's called urgent excellence. Um, and it really comes from an understanding of the word and the principle of diligence in life, which when you, when you look at all of the, the, the connotations of the root um, and the etymology of the word diligence, it literally means to uh, be the most excellent version of yourself in the most expeditious fashion possible. So diligence is more than dotting I's, crossing T's. It's about a sense of urgency uh, and an awareness of of the magnitude of the moment, so to speak, and and then uh, attempting to become the most excellent version of yourself or the best version of yourself with haste. So yeah. urgent excellence is the principle that all of a sudden here I am, and it was in my system. But I'm like, oh my god, I've got to I got to do this right now. So I went to work and literally I, I had spent years developing the content. Well, when I sat down to write my book, I was so inspired. I literally wrote the book, uh, all 11 chapters in within 30 days. Oh, wow. And I called my publisher. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm onto something. I need, we got to get this going. And literally I, I produced the book, had it in print, uh, within, by the end of the year. So that was July. I, I launched it in, um, 
uh, that Christmas that year. And uh, I'm off to the races and got approval from uh, from the heads of training development at Whole Foods uh, to launch it in the south and pilot it in the southwest region uh, here in the area. And it went so well um, that I began to pick up all types of other you know clients and and. Uh, what from from major landscaping companies to obviously grocery to whole you know um, uh, property management companies and real estate companies and you know a, a hospital um, all kinds of I mean just crazy I and mean, literally company after company after company and I would have companies that would increase their revenues uh, by you know anywhere from twenty percent to some of them four hundred percent increase in revenues oh, um, using these principles that are these world class competitive. Uh, you know, competition type principles uh, that I used and built my system. And it was just amazing to me that, you know, the average Joe, no one has ever taught them the psychology of a world-class fighter. It's really hard. I mean, most people, most people have never been in a fight, let alone, yeah. you know, spent, man, 30 years of their life training in a psychological, you know, uh, mentality. It's a special person um, that really enjoys you know, when someone gives them a nice kick in the face, it's just a different type of, <laughs> of mentality. Kind of I mean, if my friends and I, we train, we fight. Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, <laughs> if someone can, after 30 years of training, if someone can kick me in the face, well done, my good man. I mean, if you, you can put your foot on my face, that is a, that is a feat. And I am happy for you. And I am, I will embrace the pain uh, of, of that moment because you earned it, good sir. And, and that's kind of how it's just weird psychology uh, where, you know, when, when certain people, most people, they lean away from painful moments. They lean yeah. away from struggle. They lean away from, um, you know, uh, from, from uh, intense situations. They avoid conflict. But for me, teaching people the, the psychological profile of how to lean in when other people lean back, uh, you know, how to push forward when other people are are pushing away from from uh, tough situations. It was just amazing um, to see the uh, see the difference and see the abilities that other people could tap into if they could just learn how to think. Right. And so the whole idea of winology is it's the study of world class top performers from every field: art, science, uh, you know, history, business, whatever sport. And you know, people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what field it's in. It's the same principles. The same principles that help somebody win. In Olympic sport are the same principles that help somebody win in computer science. It's about it's about focus. It's about discipline. It's about uh, urgency. It's about positivity. It's a, it's about you know being decisive and taking action. It's all the same principles. And so what I basically found is that if people can grab a hold, because principles are timeless. Yeah. Pr principles are eternal, so to speak. And uh, and so a lot of the stuff that I use, I mean, it's attached to my faith. It's connected to you know ancient principles and things that I've learned growing up. Then I learned how to translate into my combat style and then translate into my, you know, all the other parts of my life that were meaningful. Um, and it, it's just wild to see if somebody can learn a principle, even though that every business, I mean, it's, my idea was I really believe that I could create a system that could go into any corporate setting and create what I call world-class winning culture, you know, world-class performance culture uh, inside of organizations where you take regular individuals and you teach them how to think like world-class top competitors. And then they literally go and they apply that into their work, uh, and into their, um, sales and into their management style. And, uh, and there's just something that happens when people have an expectation of excellence and they literally begin to think like world-class competitors, um, even without actually having the experience of someone that competes on that high level, but they can pick up that psychological profile and then begin to, uh, to, attach it into their own daily life. 
And uh, it's just amazing what can happen. I mean, I had guys, <laughs> crazy sales guys that had never, simply just never had been taught how to think like this. And, you know, these are guys that some of them, I, just last month I even found uh, one of the guys that his initial sales goal was if he could just sell a thousand bucks a week. Well, next thing you know, he's, if I guess I'm a sell a thousand a day. Now he's working on his, his sales goal is $15,000 a day is his goal inside of this company. And he sells landscaping. Wow. So, I mean, he literally has gone to where he's generating you know, $300,000 of revenue a month for his company. And, and God, if I could tell this guy's an ex con, <laughs> this is, this is not an educated guy. This is a dude with a checkered past. Uh, he's, you know, he's two bad decisions from going back inside at any given moment. But, but, but you, you give a guy like that some principles and then he takes the principles and puts them into his process mm. and he creates a better product, um, in his own life. He's, he's more productive in his life because the principles can fit into any process and they can help anybody accomplish a, a better product in their life if they just learn how to take these principles and apply them. Right. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the gist of it. And, and, uh, it's a fun read. It's my life story. Um, it's on audiobook as well on my website. Um, and, uh, but it, it's, it's definitely helping a lot of people and it's just been amazing to see something catch on that, that I've used in my own, and you know, when, you, when you, it's your own personal system, your own life story, um, and now, uh, you know, Jordan, I, I got yesterday, um, I, I, I finally got back from, I think I sent it to you, right. That, that, that I own the entire word winology. Um, <laughs> I, I officially own a word. My, my attorney said, um, you don't just own a word. You invented a word. You created a word. So, um, I'm bragging to my children that you're, you know, you can tell your, your, your friends that, you know, what has your daddy ever done? My daddy invented a word, you know, I'm just being facetious, but actually I did say, I did say that this morning to them just to maybe think they would think I was cool instead of a dorky dad, you know, who's just trying to keep his hair at this point, you know? So, uh, anyway, it's, it's been, it's been a great, a fun journey. And for me, it's all about helping people be the best version of themselves that they could possibly become. And that. That's what makes me tick as an individual. Uh, yeah. The more people I can help uh, accomplish more with their life, the better. Yeah, and what what you're saying, it's like it's it rings true with a lot of other guests that we've had on too, where it's like all these principles are are timeless. Like they're not. It's not like it's like like it's not like it's a they're necessarily new ideas. It's just you've mm -hmm. assembled them. Th these things aren't going to change. They're going to work for everybody in any. Um, in any field they're working in, which is cool. I think, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's wild. I mean, I find myself, you know, whether I'm in a, you know, at a, at a whole foods or now I'm working with a company called the Madeline, which is a French bakery, uh, national brand. Um, oh, really, yeah, you know, great, every time great, I'm uh, in Dallas, Lacey wants yeah, to go. Yeah. They're, they're big out of Dallas. That's <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, a lot of, a lot of really cool companies and, you know, big real estate companies. And it's just really fun to see something that can work because it's principle-based, it can work in any corporation's process and platform. Um, and then I just help them translate it into their own culture. And it's, uh, it's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying myself for sure. And it's been very uh, rewarding uh, personally for me to just be able to help people. Related to uh, your, your helping with the corporations, if you had like three quick points you could throw out there um, that you find are good stepping stones to aim for, uh, in terms of working with a team and managing people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, typically what, typically what I find is you, every corporation, every team has places of dysfunction in the sense that 
you know, people they're they're all for, they're all for themselves a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, they're competing against they're competing against each other, and really a, an all. It's instead of an all for one, it's an all for me type of mentality. Yeah. And and when they run into obstacles or they run into you know uh, interpersonal problems, they tend to um, they tend to shut down. And realistically, people one of the biggest traps is that people attach their their happiness and they attach their ability to be um, positive to accomplishing different things, different levels of success, different levels of accomplishment. And they feel like if I can just, if I can, if I can accomplish this goal, then I'll be happy. And so one of the things that I really try, the the reality is it's just not true because if you're in sales, guess what? Every 30 days it starts over. And so you're happy for about 32 seconds and then, Hey, month ticks over, start again. Uh, and the quote is new again, or what, I mean, in corporations have the, the, um, t- a lot of times they, they adjust things and, and you reach a certain level and then it adjusts and what you thought was going to make you happy doesn't. And so for me, I spend a lot of time um, really developing a, a base belief system so that in every single company that I'm working in, I'm teaching them how to create a base belief um, that, that is healthy, uh, that's positive, um, that they learn how to be happy um, based on just the, uh, just an internal sense of gratefulness around them. They're grateful for their opportunity. They're grateful for their, their employer. They're grateful for the team members. They begin to see the good in people as opposed to, you know, we we could just be so negative yeah. and there's so much science Definitely. behind, uh, how negativity, uh, will actually decrease your, your uh, productivity, negativity, uh, and stress and anxiety and all these different things that happen inside of a corporate environment, um, red tape, bureaucracy, um, you know, all, just all the backbiting and the toxicity. So, you know, if I could, if I could just really pinpoint, um, some, the main things that I do initially to help teams win is I try to help everyone on the team rid themselves of negativity, rid, rid themselves of the pessimist, um, type mentality, rid themselves of, um, you know, of, uh, any type of toxic thought or toxic, uh, self-talk or whatever, um, and really move into a place where they, uh, choose to to create uh, belief systems that lead them toward their objectives, and they specifically learn how to be grateful for for where they are currently, and just for the opportunity they have. And Cali, we live in such an entitled environment where people doesn't matter; they just want to complain about everything, and they feel so yeah. entitled. And if I can, we can move people away from from an entitlement mentality into a gratefulness mentality. Uh, what happens is people they begin to operate out of an internal place of actually being truly happy because they're so focused on the things that they're actually really grateful for. You know, one of the really very interesting scientific phenomenons is they've proved, they've proven that what you focus on is what you feel. So if you mm. focus on all the negative and you focus on all the problems, you focus on the obstacles, you know, you actually feel those uh, in, a, in a much more intense way. And um, I, I don't know if you've ever ridden a motorcycle. I learned the hard way, uh, the the physics of riding a motorcycle, that whatever you look at is where you go. Um, and if you want to make a turn, you look all the way around the corner and the bike goes where you're looking. Wherever you're focusing, that's where the motorcycle goes. Well, uh, you focus on the wrong thing and you run into stuff. And you can learn the hard way real quick on a motorcycle <laughs> that whatever you focus on is where you actually end up going. And so same deal. If you're focusing on the problems and your, your mentality is based in this place of, pessimism or, or, uh, or toxicity because of how you've been treated. And we, ju- we can just become so jaded in life, right? I mean, when, 
when we were young and, and, and we had this, we were so opportunistic and we were so positive. And then we realized that, man, life can suck and people betray us and they stab us in the back and they make promises they don't deliver. And we can get so jaded. And so, you know, for me, returning people to a place of, of true, healthy, internal happiness, gratitude, um, uh, the, focusing specifically on the skill set, the science of positivity. You know, it's not just some, uh, you know, Gary, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. It's not these, it's, <laughs> it's actual Harvard based science now. Yeah. Um, was it Stuart Smalley? What was the, yeah, what was the, the I uh, just know it's from the Al Franken character from SNL. I forget something there small. You go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what his name was, but, but no, now it's, it's 20 years of Harvard. Uh, science, you know, studying the skill and the science of positivity, studying the science of happiness. There's incredible things that that if you can learn um, scientifically a skill set of how to, in the midst of trouble, and because because when it when it comes down to it, every situation, every moment in life has both negative realities and positive realities. Yeah. They're both and they're both true. You know, true. Um, you know, you, you hey, you made a you you made a whole lot of money this year. And that's awesome. Yahoo. And then crap. Now I owe way more taxes. I just bumped into a new tax bracket. Right. <laughs> so do you focus on the negative of the tax bracket or do you yeah. focus on the positive? Wow. I'm doing really well. I'm succeeding and prospering. Uh, let me take a positive outlook at this and call my, my, my CPA and get a strategy based. Uh, so, so again, if you're focusing on the positive, then you tend to move toward a positive solution. If you focus on the negative, you move toward the negative and you end up rear-ending stuff and running yeah. into more and more problems. So that, if I could say anything about it, the number one thing is creating a culture of, of teamwork, a culture of unity, a culture of positivity, um, a, a culture, you know, where, where, um, you know, where, where people are grateful instead of entitled. And the more, what I found is that the, the more happy and healthy you can get employees, the better they perform, yeah. uh, the, the happier and healthier employees are. The, the the better the results are and the and the, the revenues go up you know people that it it's it's interesting people want to work with people that are enjoyable to work with yeah <laughs> you know and, and it's, so so you get more sales and your team performs better because they're actually enjoying what they do because the, they're instead of uh, instead of bickering and fighting and being toxic with each other and and stealing the energy and the and the, the you know from each other in that way it, you create a synergistic um, internal health inside of an organization. I, I literally, the way I look at it is um, every individual in an organization, every individual is a cell yeah. and every department is an organ. And, and so the cells and the organs come together to work to make up this organism or this organization, yeah. right? That we would call a corporation. So if I can get the cells healthy and healthy, happy, thriving, positive, focused, driven, whatever. If I can get the cells healthy, then I can get the departments healthy. If I get the departments healthy, then the organism will become healthy. That, that's kind of the mindset that I take to yeah. it. And so it's you know it's companies that really want to invest in their people that realize that um, their their people are their number one greatest asset. And if they can really invest in their people, then their whole process will improve, and and their productivity will improve, and their revenues will improve. And uh, that's kind of the the just. I know that was a long roundabout answer to get there. Um, <laughs> and you may want to edit the heck out of that. I don't. Know, but, uh, well, my office is giving out flu shots this year, so. <laughs> hey, that's something to be grateful for. There you go. You know, man. the government and uh, and you know, pretty sure there's some kind of conspiracy connects all the way back to JFK, but that's for another show. <laughs> now that all the documents have been released, but they haven't really been released. Um, it's funny. Um, what you're talking about being, oh, oh, Hey Jordan, for the record, um, yeah. my book has nothing. It was actually published before 
uh, Donald Trump ran for office. So the winning thing, that's me. <laughs> Donald got that. The Donald got that for me. And, and no, it has nothing to do with Charlie Sheen. That's the number two question. <laughs> Those are my two, the two most answered questions. <laughs> um, winning, winning. Yeah. I remember when that came out, there was like all these, uh, Matt, what do you call it? Like remixes people were doing, making songs oh, about yeah. it. That was classic. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking of like, you're talking about being grateful and it's something that that's come up recently in a couple of books that I've read and podcasts that I listen to. Um, also the idea, and I don't know how this fits into your book, but it feels like it's kind of in the same, same, uh, world. Um, the idea of like, of ownership and not blaming others for where you're yes. at. Like that's like, jo- Absolutely. I was listening to Jocko Willink. Willink. Yeah. He talked about that. He has a book about that. Our friend Jason Jaggard, who was on and even like yep. uh, reading, um, I was reading, uh, I know you've probably read this before. It's, it seems like everybody has, but I just read it. Uh, the seven habits for highly effective people. There's a whole oh, yeah. chapter on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, right. that's like such a huge thing that I feel like this generation is missing out on is yeah. like, only yeah. where they're at and not it's one of the, people. It, it is. It's one of the things that I, I get hired a lot to help with is how to break people out of the hourly mentality yeah. and the hourly employee mentality and help them move into a place where they take, they take pride in what they do. They take ownership of what they do. They, they, they act like the company is theirs and they treat yeah. the company, they treat the job. Like this is, this is, this is, this is way more than just a nine to five. This is way more than just 15 bucks an hour you know, what or 20, whatever, whatever it is, this is, it's way more than that. They take pride in it and they take pride in, 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 in really taking ownership in the future of the company and taking ownership in the, in the goals. So, so a lot of it is, is creating good communication too, between managers and team members or owners and, and department heads. And, and, and so, so that the, the individuals, the cells inside of the organization can really feel like they're a part of the big picture, you know, as opposed to just punching the clock and doing a menial task. Right. So yeah, yeah, that ownership thing is huge, you know, and it's, 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 um, you know, what happens is when people act like they, they, they take pride in it and they act like an, like an owner, as opposed to uh, an hourly hireling, um, they gets noticed. The results are better. And next thing you know, they're getting promoted. And they're moving into places where they have more and more oversight and, and more and more ownership, you know, with yeah. it. So it is contagious. Yeah, that's great. Um, John had one question here that he first, <laughs> he, he typed in as uh, as we were doing this interview. He says, I got to go. Ask him about black belts. He's like, I think the barbed wire thing is real. He's talking about. I don't know if this is true, but this Not is a karate-related yeah, question. The belts, the belts in Taekwondo and karate, I think. Yeah, he's asking is if is if there are different levels and if they're made of different materials because he heard that the last <laughs> level is made of barbed wire. Um, no. Uh, now, now, interestingly enough, originally in the style, like the combat style of Taekwondo I traded yeah. was a military art, right? Yeah. So, so Taekwondo, uh, the original Taekwondo, not the Olympic sports style, uh, which is basically, you know, kicking and hugging, yeah. um, they kick and then they hug each other and then they, <laughs> you know, then they, then they, then they break up and then they kick and then they hug, they get back together, they hug again. It's not that <laughs> ours is more of a, more of a military combat style. It's okay. a lot more like, you know, kickboxing or whatever, where you're really, I mean, you're, you're fighting real fighting. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, for the, the original Taekwondo was nine different quans or styles that had, that encompassed all different types of fighting from grappling and, and, and takedowns and joint locks and pressure points and manipulations and, and, you know, all that stuff, soft and, and hard styles and mix them all together. Well, it was all a military system. So all of the ranks, all of the belts were actually military ranks inside of the uh, Korean, uh, you know, what they called the rock Marines, the Republic Army of Korea. Um, and so you have a, a very interesting, you know, phenomenon that be- initially all the belts were white, and and oh, wow. the, the the longer someone trained, you know, the darker their belt got uh, because you didn't okay. wash your belt, you washed your uniform, you didn't wash oh. your belt, so your belt would get from sweat and blood and whatever it would get darker and darker and darker, and you would look at somebody and they would have their belt would be so dark, and it was because of the experience it is that's an interesting, you know, uh, <laughs> phenomenon. You know, the wow. whole original. So the belts weren't made of barbed wire or razor <laughs> glass or you know anything like that. Um, but there was there was something connected to, uh, you know, to the idea of the longer someone trained, the darker their belt got, and so the darker the belt, the more experience, you know. And so you know, if you got people that have you know citrus belts. Uh, any citrus colored belt is is not very experienced, right? But the more you get into that's because you know, they blacks themselves and, a lot, right? In the there beginning. you go, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the, the the blacks and blues and purples and browns and you know all that. The darker it gets, that you know the, the more experience they they have. So yeah. definitely a lot of fun. This is not like the belts uh, with a lot of like uh, cheap uh, <laughs> corner dojos where uh, you get the next belt if your check clears at the end of the month, right? <laughs> it's like you it had to earn that changed. color. <laughs> yeah, the, the industry has changed. Yeah. You know, Three thousand dollars and you'll get your black belt, buddy. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't matter if you can't fight your way out of a wet paper sack. Um, you know, well, yeah, it's a different world now. So I. I uh, you know, we, ours was pretty hardcore. We trained pretty hard style, and uh, I'm I'm glad that that was the style that I trained in, um, as opposed to some of the some of the mamsy pamsy stuff that's out there uh, now. It's it's a little embarrassing. All all uh, all black belts are not creative. That is that is for certain. Um, have you ever had to use it in real life? Have oh you my ever goodness! Had to- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I grew up in Oklahoma, man. There's nothing to do but fight and tip cows, and you know, you know, we and it, you know, again, being That's a true. being a, a, a you know a smaller, I was a preppy in, in a redneck town, and okay. so everyone, uh, I was there was constantly a drunk redneck that wanted to try the little preppy guy on for size, and <laughs> and um, I you know I became a you know a, a local legend in my high school when I got into a full out brawl in Taco Bell. Uh, and uh, we, I literally, know. to this day, am not allowed in Taco Bell in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I was banned <laughs> for life. We, um, we ripped every chair was broken, blood tacos everywhere. It was a full. It was amazing. That's it was the a most legend. It was a legendary thing I've ever heard. night. Sounds like sounds, a yes. Taco Bell. That sounds like the, it's uh, intense, man. When you when you you know because the chairs are all wooden and they swivel in. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Little, they're like the little swivel wooden chairs. Uh, we literally, I mean, it was a, it was a rough, it was a rough little fight there, buddy. And, and we, every chair in the whole restaurant was broken all the way down one whole side of the restaurant. It was, uh, yeah. Tacos were flying, man. I frisbeed a taco right in this guy's face. It was beautiful. You know, I just wish I'd have had it on camera. Was it a soft shell or a hard shell? It was hard shell, man. It was hard shell. And, um, you know, he, uh, he squirted hot sauce on me and said something about my mama and Mm. I frisbeed a taco in his face and, 
we were off to the races, man. It was a full blown brawl. Well, it seems that. like what you're describing is like a cut scene from Napoleon Dynamite. That's what it it should have been. Like. The two things you don't should do have in been. Rex, It was Rex Quando. Yeah. It was the, the, the wisdom of a man. <laughs> two, two, and the reflexes of a puma. <laughs> oh, man. So two things you don't do in Oklahoma is combine insults of mothers and hot sauce yeah. and kicking sisters. <laughs> That's well, never a good idea. Never. That's never a good idea. Yeah. So I did. I, I've been in quite a few, uh, quite a few fights. And it's just, you know, I, you know, growing up uh, training in the, in the martial arts and you know, when you fight for a hobby, you fight for fun every day. Yeah. And then you're, you're kind of itching to give it a whirl. And some, if someone smarts off to you or, you know, you know, says something about your mama, you're like, well, you know, I guess you want to fight then, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, this is what I do for fun, you know? Yeah. So I would never back down from it. I never picked a fight or abused it or anything like that, but I certainly wouldn't Being a smaller guy. I would never back down from a bully. I, I have this major, honestly, I have a major, major thing with bullies to the, to the tune where I have this, you know, being a, growing up as a smaller guy, if someone touches my hair, like, you know, the whole bully thing of, hey, little kid, when they, they ruffle up your hair. Yeah. To this day, if somebody touches my hair, I swear to God, I'll lose it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I have this crazy, I have a deep psychological wound against bullies. And uh, so I, I hit a lot of people that apparently didn't actually want to fight. They just wanted to act like they wanted to fight. And um, But, you know, I, I learned early on, there was a police statistic that, you know, whoever gets hit first loses 99% of the time in a police yeah statistics of fighting and so i'm like that will never be me i will never be the guy that gets hit first uh that gets hit first because that puts me in a bad statistical position so yeah i just decided to hit first and ask questions later and like yeah it's like you said you gotta lean in you gotta lean into that you gotta fight. lean you know? in yeah you yeah, just gotta go absolutely. in and take care of business that's a that's a good tie back <laughs> after that tangent like that it was a perfect, the perfect that's what i'm good callback. for I'm, I'm good for bringing things back over. yeah i don't know i don't know if this segment will be good for my business people know how much of a loose cannon i used to be i'm much more responsible now i mean it's been at least six months since i've been in a physical altercation <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm that's just kidding since, since it's actually been 17 years and, and it was on the strip of las vegas and I was terrified my mom was going to see me on cops or something. So I ran and hid in the MGM, uh, you know, and, and I escaped. I escaped with my dignity. Um, in Vegas. <laughs> you you put the words That's dignity always, and Las Vegas in the same sentence. I didn't know that. That's always a good decision. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, if people want to find out more about you and Winology, where can they go? Uh, winology.com winology.com is the easiest way to find me and uh, lots of good fun stuff on there yeah you got you got the Facebook the Twitters the Instas I do I do <laughs> I've got you know, winology on Facebook uh, also winology 101 on Twitter um, and then you can find me by my name as well I, I do um, every week I do inspirational videos just just cool fun free inspirational stuff every week so if you want to anybody wants to follow on winology.com uh, or follow there. It's all the stuff. It, it feeds onto there from, from uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff for sure. Right, cool. Well, thank right. you so much, Joel, for coming on. We'll have to have you on again when we, when we yeah. want to talk more about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate it guys. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this part of the show is brought to you by Phoenix shaving. If you like to shave, 
and you are a man or a woman. I mean, some some women are hairy. That's all right. That's okay. No judgment. But if you, uh, you're a guy that likes to shave and appreciates the finer things in life, go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave. Um, that link helps support the show. And you could check out some of Douglas Smythe's amazing shaving soaps, aftershave colognes. You'll be blown away at all the stuff he has. Scents for days. He is like the Walter White of artisan soap making. He's got this lab basically there in, in Phoenix, Arizona where he uh, creates his soaps and, and he cures them. It's an independent business. You're not giving your money to all those guys that are ripping everybody off with razors. Right now you can get some wet shaving starter packs. So it has everything you need to get started wet shaving. You know, you can get a sets that have the safety razor, the brush, the soap, the aftershave. Tons of great scents to pick from. I've mentioned before, one of my favorites is Tombstone. Also, they have Sundown, which is like a classic barbershop scent. Um, they've got uh, Cavendish, which smells like, like pipe tobacco, which is amazing. I tell you, I've been using the stuff and I don't get any razor burn or razor bumps anymore this stuff is amazing especially the aftershave it just removes all irritation bumps redness it's like i've never looked so dapper in my life and that's thanks to phoenix shaving so go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave and stop being a slave to the cartridge razor shave all right um great guest Great guest, the, the Joel Shrivener. <laughs> Sorry, I liked the him face, a lot. The face that John was making was was horrendous, and I thought, like, <laughs> did he not like him? But he was just yawning. <laughs> that was a yawn. Um, yeah, that uh, we're gonna have to have him back on because he's just a, a winning type of guy. Hashtag winning. Hashtag winning. Yeah. Like Winology. Charlie Sheen. Like Charlie Sheen. Um, let's. You know what time it is, guys. It's time to announce the winner of the giveaway. Duncan McAnis. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even wait for... Let's do that again. Okay, let's do a... All right. Drum roll. And the winner is... Duncan McAnis. Duncan Amiss. Duncan Amiss. I read it as Duncan McManus, which I think would be a good name. Duncan McManus. Duncan Amiss. Um, My name yeah. is Duncan McManus. You're gonna. You're getting this. Uh, s- s- what is it? Sangre. What do we call it? Sangre. Uh, sangre. De- the uh, blood of the dragon. Yeah. Sa- you put yeah. it on your face you're and you go down to the de lock. Dragon. The drago right here. Uh, so you go down to the lock and you find the water dragon. <laughs> oh god. You find that water dragon. Oh, that was a terrible movie. Yeah. Um. Yes. So you're the winner of the sangre. <laughs> oh, you're saying, Are you referencing water? Water horse. <laughs> water horse. Was I was talking horse? about Loch Ness Monster. I thought yeah, you were talking about the last dragon. Was. Oh. I never oh. saw that. Never heard of no. it. Don't know it. <laughs> I am the last one. Oh, Dragonheart. Um, yeah. Was it Dragonheart uh, or the yeah, last where, dragon? Where, uh, where, uh, no, Sean Connery does the voice and Dennis Quaid plays a uh, a, a, a British guy for the oh, only yeah. time yeah. ever in his life. <laughs> yeah, Not a good move, Dennis. Kids. Not a good move. And guys, if you want to support the show, uh, John, how can they support the show? How can our listeners support the show? There are a couple well, ways, right? Once we get that uh, Scofflaw lathe, we'll be able to crank out some of those <laughs> bowls uh, in the meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the meantime, if that actually happens, I would pay you to get our mascot like a skeleton, like working at the lave. <laughs> oh That'd no, be great! 
Um, In the meantime, uh, we've got t-shirts and belt buckles and little coffrets where you could put your wallet and keys. And uh, I, I still like those uh, those uh, those glasses, those the, glasses the, the water glasses. The pint glasses. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Way to water, sell it. Water glasses. Get a gentleman's golf water glass. No, we got oh, pint man. glasses. We got t-shirts. We got little punk pins. Water um, bottles. Wa- <laughs> no, we don't have water bottles and belt buckles. Stop the false advertising. We do um, have water bottles out there that just are water bottles that have had a gentleman's scofflop sticker it, added to it. And you know what I, you know what I, uh, I got is I got a one of those five inch uh, bumper magnets for my my car. Oh, so oh, I see. Oh, I'm yeah, driving I around that. promoting the gentleman's scofflop podcast. It's great because people could be in traffic. They might be behind me and they see the gentleman's scofflop podcast and they pull their phone out and they go, "Huh, I want to listen to see or, what this is all about." Or they say the gentleman's scofflop podcast and it's a magnet and then they get out and they just grab they just it. Just take it. That's because a, it's such a good looking magnet. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was asking it for it. It might happen. But you know what? Maybe I pay it forward, right? Maybe it doesn't matter that they <laughs> um, I don't know. Also, you can join us on Patreon if you want to support the show. Uh, that's a good way to get a couple of little extras. We post outtakes. Uh, we post uh, extended, uh, you know, segments that uh, you know that w- that that didn't make the final cut on uh, on the normal podcast feed. And um, we are about to do some uh, monthly live hangouts. Yeah. And when we reach our goal. We're going to do a monthly uh, Scofflaw movie review podcast. So. I mean, you heard us try to review Stranger Things. You did. And that went pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know. Yeah. What can we say? But yeah, you'll get three actual filmmakers reviewing other movies. But I think it will probably won't be all current stuff. It'll probably be like, we'll pick a, we'll, we'll pick we'll, a we'll canon of stuff yeah. that goes in that fits the Rebel and the Renaissance Some man. Mel Gibson movies, uh, some yeah. Abigail Breslin movies. <laughs> so. Cas- Casper. Casper. Yeah. Casper, the friendly oh, ghost. Gosh. All right. Was Mel in that? No. He was. Was he? I seem to yeah. remember he produced it. I just didn't know whether he was in it or not. I didn't know he produced it, but he he was in it for one shot. That's wild, man. Oh, in the yeah. mirror was it a mirror thing? Yeah, he's Clint Eastwood, and then Bill Bill Pullman turns into uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, and then it's I think the tales from the crypt guy Mel's in there. Uh, we also got some interesting things coming down the pike uh, for the holidays. Maybe a Christmas special. Maybe maybe some returning guests. Maybe favorite guests throughout the year. Mm. Maybe uh, uh, maybe a live stream. I don't know. I don't know. I'm throwing it out there. But and um, we'll have uh, Jimmy Hawkins. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jimmy Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we'll have Jimmy Hawkins. We're working on it. We'll see. Um, John, you're right, gentleman in Scofflaw, my friend. I try. John Donovan, you are a gentleman in Scofflaw, my Jeez, friend. I feel like that was so insincere. Uh, you too. It was insincere. You too, buddy. I didn't believe you didn't it. You didn't even call me by my real name. I said Jonathan <laughs> yeah, again. Whatever. Right. You and Fabio. <laughs> you guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey!
Shiva. 